Well, Jerry, thanks for sitting down. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, definitely one of the, the critical doctrines of faith, you know, Jesus as the incarnational God-man. So when we talk about Jesus and who he is and, and you know, okay, why don't you introduce that topic to us? Well, when we do talk about the incarnation, and you're right, it is probably one of the great central doctrines of the faith. Uh, the incarnation is God taking on flesh and becoming a man. And the question that arises is, how did that happen and what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And when we say that Jesus is the God-man, what, what do we mean? Well, what we mean is fundamentally is that he is God and man. He's not part God and part man. Uh, he is fully God and fully man. And the incarnation means that God himself became a man, but he remained God as well as a man. And so Jesus is the God-man. He is the incarnation. And it was he took on flesh for the purpose of delivering us. Uh, that's that's kind of the and the, and the great way. challenge of this is I mean the the early church struggled for years trying to describe this this truth I mean it's not like this is a simple truth to understand you know who Jesus was mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things they wrestled with was well God is immutable and in a previous podcast we talked about God being unable to change you know mm -hmm. God is unchanging so. I think one of the challenges with understanding Jesus as both fully God and fully man is he wasn't always fully God and fully man, or was he? No, he was, uh, originally he was part of the Trinity. I mean, mm -hmm. he was, and still is. He's never not been a part of the Trinity. He it's not was, like he exited that at no, some point was, well, and changed. Or <laughs> I'll talk to you later. I'm leaving the Trinity. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's not at all what it was. He he was originally uh, all that God is. He he was um, immutable. He was omnipresent, omnipotent. He was equal in every aspect with each of the other members of the Trinity. And I think at one point we talked about the Trinity. He was mm -hmm. all of that. Uh, and he says, for example, in the 17th chapter of John, uh, I'm going to say around verse 5 somewhere, and he says, uh, he refers to the glory that was his before hmm. the incarnation. Uh, he was of the same equal glory as mm -hmm. the Father and the Holy Spirit because they were all equal. Yep. Uh, but what he opted to do in order to redeem us was to become flesh or take on flesh. Um, but in doing so, he still remained the, the second person of the Trinity, and fully so. I mean, he was all that the Father and the Holy Spirit were, even in the flesh, but he opted as the God-man to make himself uh, subject to the Father. So when, when God the Father sends the Son into the world mm -hmm. and, and baby Jesus is born, um, baby Jesus has all the aspects of divinity and, and in addition has all the aspects of humanity and it seems like now he has a conflicting nature like we're finite by mm -hmm. I mean we're finite in our wisdom we're finite in our understanding and and you know we have certain passages that talk about Jesus the man growing in wisdom and stature mm -hmm. as it grows so so how is it 
how is it possible to have a baby, a teenager, a, a boy be divine? Well, uh, I don't know that we could ever adequately answer that. I think the hu- human nature of Christ mm-hmm. was growing and increasing, but yeah. obviously more so and on a different level than we would understand because at the age of 12, he is in the temple mm-hmm. asking um, questions of the priests and the chief priests and the scholars yeah. and making statements that are overwhelming them and amazing them. So very clearly we see that he is not the average human being. Mm-hmm. Even though he is a human being, he has all the qualities of a human being, but he is clearly both mm-hmm. uh, human and, and uh, God. But as a human being, Jesus is really what um, Adam was intended to be before Adam fell. Mm. Uh, without sin, righteous, and there's no telling what qualities Adam would have had if he had not uh, sinned and fallen. Mm. We only Adam only uses what six percent of his or we six percent of our brain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was that shut down as a result of sin? We don't know. But Jesus would have been uh, the righteous one without sin, a human being without sin. Uh, I, you can picture what God's plan was originally with Adam and Eve was a world of people hmm. like Jesus, only not people who are divine. And I don't want mm-hmm. don't want wants to make that mistake. I'm just right. saying that as human beings, they would have been human beings like Jesus the human being uh, and without sin and so very very different Jesus is clearly and we just get glimpses of him mm-hmm. before he enters into ministry but clearly very very different from the average human being you know? well I mean just one difference is that he didn't have a biological father right. one of the these it's, it's crazy here's Mary who the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she conceives in a very unique way. And I'm sure everyone around them was, when Mary's trying to describe this, they're saying, oh, right, like you really got pregnant that way, you know? And um, and so what, why do you think God chose to do, to come into the world in such a unique way without a father, you know, instead of kind of coming through the lineage of, of Adam or... Um, you know why? Why was it important that that Mary did conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, and and what you have is you have uh, in Jesus being the God Man. What you have is two natures in one body, and He has a human mother, mm-hmm. but God is the Father. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason for the incarnation being what it is is that it would never have worked for um, God to simply have recreated another Adam. Mm. We were no match for Satan. Clearly the first Adam was no match for Mm -hmm. Satan. And to create another Adam who was holy and totally human, Mm -hmm. we'd have the same result. Maybe a little longer than it took for the first Adam, but we would have the same result. Only God himself could deal with Satan. Mm. Uh, and and handle him in the way that it should. But at the same time, God could not die for our sin. Uh, it needed to be a man who was without sin, mm-hmm. worthy to bear our sin and die for us. You know, God doesn't die. 
God doesn't sin, and uh, it wasn't God that sinned, it was man. So somebody who was a man had to pay the price for man, uh, but someone worthy to pay the price. And so that's why we have to have the two. The well, two natures. Yeah, we, we can't have just a new Adam uh, who's wholly human. He's going he's gonna to fall sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And we see the frailty of Jesus. I mean, we see he's tired. We see, you know, uh, we see all this kind of he needs to go off by himself and pray. Um, we see him struggling in the Garden of Gethsemane with, with you know, to the point of bleeding, you know, um, that he's so stressed about the future pain. Um, and so we see the humanness and the frailty of him. And, uh, and yet, we we should not read so much into that that we lose sight that he is still divine in those moments. Oh yeah, he is. Um, what's interesting too is you're right. Uh, we do see glimpses of his humanity coming through. You know when he was uh, in terms of his physical appearance mm-hmm. uh, with the woman at the well. She saw him clearly as a Jewish man. Yeah, right. <laughs> she didn't have any trouble figuring right? out this is a Jewish man I'm talking uh-huh. to. Yes. Uh, what you point out in the, um, in the storm at sea, uh, mm. he is asleep mm-hmm. on, on the stern, in the stern. Mm-hmm. On, it says on the pillow. Incidentally, not too long ago, the archaeologists found an early fishing boat hmm. in the first century buried in the sand uh, around the Sea of Galilee. And in the stern was a canvas bag full of sand called a ballast bag, which was a ballast Really? Bag. Interesting. And so I suspect whether it was, I think it was Mark or Luke, I forgot mm-hmm. which one, said he was asleep on the pillow. Hmm. It was probably the ballast bag. Uh, and he was exhausted from... Uh, the work that he had been doing. Yeah. But we know from Psalms, I think it's 121, that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. Well, I'm, yes, exactly right. If he's omnipotent, then he would never be lacking power. He would yeah. never be tired. He yeah. would never be fatigued. Right. But Jesus, the man, was clearly fatigued mm-hmm. and had to sleep. On the cross, he cried out that he was thirsty. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. And that he, he said, I thirst. So there are a number of places where we see that human aspect of yeah. him coming out. Uh, so if we, if it, I think it's obvious to most people when you read the Gospels, the humanness of Jesus. Um, what are some places you might see the divine nature of Jesus uh, while he is on earth? I mean, he, he hearkens back to, you know, before Abraham was, I am. Mm-hmm. So he's making clear claims to you the eternal, but are there some places that come to your mind like, well, this is Jesus still being divine even during his time on earth? Well, he never, to begin with, he never denied his deity. Yep. Um, and people have, worked because most of the time he, he referred to himself as the son of man, mm-hmm. they've used that as an excuse to say, oh, well, he, what, he didn't consider himself God. Mm-hmm. Um he, he always called himself the son of man. Well, in his trial before the Sanhedrin, he was asked by the high priest, mm-hmm. illegally I might add, he was asked by the high priest, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And he said, I am, and you will see the son of man coming in clouds of great glory. And 
what he had just done was quoted Daniel seven thirteen and 14. Mm-hmm. One like a son of man coming in the clouds, and he comes up to the Ancient of Days and is given a kingdom. Well, the Sanhedrin knew exactly what he was claiming. Mm-hmm. That's why they condemned him for blasphemy. Yeah, he, They suddenly understood that all this time the Son of Man was actually mm-hmm. a statement of divinity as well as humanity. Uh, John the Baptist said in John one thirty, he, he said, he existed before me. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's interesting for John to say that, considering he was born six months earlier. Before, yeah. yeah. As you say, he, he points out, that um, uh, that before Abraham was, I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many times his statement of his relationship to the Father uh, would indicate that of his, his deity. Um, now, as a man, he was obedient to the Father and submitted to the Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the various things he did, one of the things I think that, uh, and we get into the, discussion of you know did he do these things by the Holy Spirit or did he do them mm-hmm. according to his divine prerogatives as mm-hmm. his deity I think one area where you could say it might have been divine uh, prerogative was when he calmed the sea mm. because um, Psalm 107 and I think it's about verse 20 says God calms the sea mm. Uh, and I think if I'm remembering, I'm not looking at the scripture, but I think after he did that, uh, what, what's interesting too is he, he stands up and he stops it and it stops instantly and it's calm. And after a storm at sea, the waves lap back a and long forth time. for hours. Yeah. But this is not what happens. Wham, instantly it's calm. Hmm. And I, one of the gospels I says think they... And correct me, I could be wrong, but I believe at that point they worshipped him. Hmm. No, he, no, I think you're right. And he accepted that Even worship. the wind and the waves. Obey. Even the wind and the waves obey him because Psalm 107 says that's what God is capable of doing. Hmm. And they they worshipped him when that happened. And he accepted that worship. Right. Uh, he did not say, get up, get up, I'm just a man like you. He accepted that mm-hmm. worship. You know, and Peter came into Cornelius's house and Cornelius bowed down in front of him. Yeah. Peter says, get up, get up. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I'm, in the I'm same. Not, I'm just a man like you. Yeah. Right. But Jesus is not just a man like us, mm-hmm. although he is a man. And so you do have these indications of his, uh, of his uh, divinity. Divinity, yeah. And then I think we also see post-resurrection, we see obviously the glorified Christ is much more than just a man. I think I think the the pictures that we have in Revelation. I think, you know, even during the ascend, you know, ascending into heaven. I think you're just you're. you're it's clear that this is not a normal mm-hmm. man. This is something else going on here. Right. Um, so I think sometimes I think we we stay too much in the Gospels when we're thinking about Jesus, and we're just so overwhelmed with humanity, which is because it's so endearing and it's understandable to us, and it's familiar to us. That um, that we can forget that that Jesus, whose name we pray, is forever and always been God. Well, interesting too, and and because the New Age movement gets into all this squirrely stuff, but after the resurrection, he was still the God Man. Mm-hmm. He didn't transform That's into right. something different. 
You can go back to just being God. Mm-hmm. He has remained the God-man and does so in heaven. When, when he was in the upper room with them, and they thought they were seeing a ghost. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, no, touch me. I have flesh flesh and bones. Yep. You know, spirits don't have flesh and bones. God is spirit. That's right. Um, and, and he is God, but he remains the God-man and will do so in eternity, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah, he's <laughs> forever the, changed, but he's also still immutable. Uh-huh. And yeah. he has been given, and this is what I find interesting too, and you asked originally the reason why we the incarnation is important. Uh, he is being given, he had a glory with the Father before the incarnation, mm-hmm. but he is being given a unique glory now as mm-hmm. the God-man. And because he's God and man, we can share in that glory, Hmm. whereas we could not have shared in the glory of God. But we can, uh, you know, he says, I pray that they would Mm -hmm. be where I am, that they might see my glory. And because that's the glory not only of God, but the glory of the God-man. And it's interesting. And by sharing, you're, you're not saying we will someday become. Correct like Jesus and become like God. Right. You're saying we, we can share because we are united with Christ. Yes, exactly. And so we will display his glory. Uh, we will never be divinity. Mm -hmm. We'll never be deity. We never have been. We never will be, Mm -hmm. but we can share in that glory of the God man as, as the man, because he's being given glory as the man. And that glory is is described in Philippians two in the form of being given a name that is above every name. Hmm. Uh, so it's it's an interesting uh, an incarnation was more than just um, I think it was more than for the purpose of atonement, reconciliation, and restoration. It was all that. Mm-hmm. But there is a value to the incarnation that goes into eternity that extends mm-hmm. beyond the time-space continuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't think we understand what that is yet. But I think part of the reason for that is that he remains the God-man in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we don't, what's that going to be like? How is that going to work? Mm-hmm. We don't know. But I, th- I think it's significant that the incarnation is not limited to the time space. Mm-hmm. And it cost him like he still bears the scars today of the cross. Yes. And, and that, that just speaks so much love that God would be willing to do that for us and bear that for eternity. I suspect a lot of it has to do with a unique form of communion uh, and fellowship with him. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see because I'm really speculating. Sure, sure. (laughs) Well, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Jerry.